Alright you guys, welcome back to another episode of Little Man Big Conversations. I am of course Little Man, aka James, aka The Flash Man, welcoming you back to part three of my interview with Diablo, my El Cartel brother, my fellow tag champ. This is the first interview that's actually gone to a part three. So before we get into it, I just want to thank you guys again for all the likes, the shares, the comments tweets plays the downloads whatever you guys have had to do to get this podcast hey you guys have been absolutely smashing it and i really appreciate it don't forget this podcast is available on apple google spotify stitcher and podbean you can also follow the page at little man big conversations on facebook lmbc podcast on instagram and lmbc underscore podcast on twitter so without further ado, please enjoy part three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that was probably the, that was a bit of a, a lesson there on the first show was like, hey, I probably could have done things a bit cheaper, but, you know, welcome to the world of promoting. And that was Annihilation 1? That was Annihilation 1. Um, I never thought, I, I just called it Annihilation because... That's what your bank account was going through. Yeah, and that's, that's what my uh, that's what my brain cells were going through at the time. So yeah, um, you know, I just I just remember looking through names of like for names for the show, and I just I don't know. I just remember seeing Annihilation, and I was like, that's a really cool name. Mm. And and like I said, like when I started the company, I just had in my mind just put on a live show and hopefully it won't suck. Like there was no, hey, this is going to be Annihilation and this is going to be Annihilation 1 and then there's going to be Annihilation 2 and 3 and 4 yep, and yep, blah, yep, blah, yep. blah, blah. My, my goal was, oh, my God, please just don't bankrupt me and please nothing go wrong. Yep. That was all I cared about. And, you know, that was the first show, Annihilation 1. Mm-hmm. And... February 2021 wow. will be Annihilation 8. 8. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good to see that the company's still up and running. So how long were you in charge of it before you decided, I'm, I'm good here, like I've, I've done enough? Five? Five, yeah. So I, my... L- <laughs> Uh, and I know everyone's heard this before, but I honestly thought my last wrestling match was going to be Annihilation 5. During those five years, not only as a promoter, but as a worker, were you experiencing what you experienced in 2007? Were you feeling burnt out again? Oh, my God. I, I never thought I was going to be on Annihilation 1. Like, my goal was to be the promoter Mm. and not be an active wrestler on the card. Well, I guess we should sort of capitalise on the fact that when you mentioned you're an active wrestler on the card, you weren't being Jethro at this point. No. So I, what happened was um, the guy who I had been training, Eddie Jones, to, to be the main star of the company mm-hmm. was meant to fight... Um, warship. Right. And the two of them were meant to um, 
to battle it out for the title, mm-hmm. you know, and that was where the storylines was going. And Eddie came to me and he was like, I, it's too much pressure. Like it's, you know, I, and, and this is my fault. Like I, here I was going to make this guy mm-hmm. do his first match mm. for the TCW championship. Mm. And so I took a bit of a step back and I was like, okay, that's fair enough. So, um, so I said to him, how do you feel if I wrestled you then? Will that, you know, kind of make things? And he's like, yeah, because obviously he'd been working with me this whole time yeah. in training. So, um, so I said, cool. I said, no worries. I'll just slap some gear on, put a mask over my face. Yeah. And do that. And so I was like, I had a previous character in XSC mm-hmm. called um, Los Volcano Diablos. Ah, that name sounds familiar. Yep. Yeah. So LVD. Which, you know. Yep. And that was when I had Minx um, managing me. Right. So that was bit of a, a bit of a character just because... I just didn't want to wrestle as Jethro anymore, but I still liked wrestling and, you know, so I thought, oh, cool, I can wear a mask, no one knows it's me. Sure. You know, so anyway, so I said, look, I'll wrestle, I'll just um, put a mask on and no one will know it's me and, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. And so anyway, so it got to the, the funny thing is it got to the show and then everyone's like, so what's your character name? And I went, oh, my God. I've been so wrapped up in... in was like, this TCW? Yeah, yeah, I've been so wrapped up in TCW and and I, I never really liked the LVD name. I thought it was a bit sort of didn't really make sense. So um, I just went, oh, Diablo. Right. And, you know, you can't get any more evil than the devil. Yeah, so sure. I was like, you know, I'll just be the Spanish devil. Mm-hmm. Just, just call me Diablo. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And that was it. So it was pretty much supposed to be me versus Eddie, do the one show, no more. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? I didn't actually think. I wasn't even sure if there was going to be any more shows. So we, um, so we did that. And then what happened was we got to the next show mm. and someone pulled out. The day before the show. Interstater or? Yep, yep. Interstater. I'm not going to name names. Sure. But it's a piece of shit. You know who you are. <laughs> um, pulled out. He had a legitimate reason, you know, but it just obviously the day before. Timing was terrible. You know, timing was yep. terrible. Um, so, yeah, so I was like, okay. And uh, I wrestled Cremator. Mm-hmm. And... My second punch mm. busted him open. Ah. And anyone who knows Cremator knows that he's not a small fella. Mm-hmm. And I, we joke about it to this day. Well, I joke about it, but I don't think he jokes about <laughs> it. I think I'm the only guy to ever bust Cremator open the hard way and actually live to tell the tale. Wow. So, yeah, that was, that was show two. <laughs> Great. Mm. So, After yeah. a flying start. Yeah. But that's all right. He got his own back. He gave me a concussion that show. So. 
Oh, we, yeah. we, we did pretty well. Proceed. Actually, my fault, but once again, but... Right, so did you already have the championship... Was there only one championship belt you had yeah, at we that had, time? Yeah, we had one made, so um, Eddie, Eddie won it... Um, against you? That against BJ. The second show or the first the show? show? The second show. Yep. So the first show, we didn't have a belt. Right. Like the first show... Oh, no, sorry, tell a lie. No, the first show, Eddie won the title. Against you? Against me. Yeah. God, sounds terrible, doesn't it? So, Yeah, you not winning belts. I Yuck. Know, terrible. <laughs> so, the first show was me versus Eddie, mm-hmm. and he won. Mm-hmm. And then the main event was BJ Blade versus Warship for the number one contenders. Then the second show was BJ versus Eddie for the title, and Eddie retained. Wow. Yeah. Memory, eh? Yeah. Like a... Like a glove. Like a glove. Right. So during that five-year strand, can Mm -hmm. you remember, was there like a second influx of trainees? Because I know... Some of your most favorite exports. I, I, we, I happened to meet them when they came to Venom. Mm-hmm. Was Eddie Jones who you speak about? And one mm-hmm. was Charlie Rose. Mm-hmm. Was Charlie there from the beginning, or did she come later on? Nah, she came later on. Um, she. Um, the hardest thing for Charlie too, like when she did come along, she came along a few years later, is she was the only girl like who actually stuck it out. And, and Similar and, to what Brandy was going through. Yeah, very similar. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing. Like we had girls who'd come, but they just weren't. It, the problem is, and guys are, guys, are, guys are terrible for this as well. It's not a girl thing. It's like they see it on TV and they go, oh, my God, that looks so cool and so easy. And it's not. And I've actually had more guys do that to me than I have it's girls. It's the first bump that tests them. Yeah. It's, and you know what? Like, I'm not one of those promoters either where I'm a prick and I go, right, I'm just going to get you to, mm. you know, I'm just going to beat the shit out of you for, you know, this long. Like, you know, I teach guys the, and girls the proper way how to bump. Sure. Because the one thing I do not want is A, someone suing me mm-hmm. and saying that, I injured them. And also, too, I want someone to walk away and go, hey, I had the best training I could and it wasn't for me. Not go, oh, I went and did wrestling at this place and the trainer wasn't that good, so that's why I never took it up. It's like, no, you had the best training. You either weren't good at it or you didn't want to stick it out. It's funny you mention that because when um, 2013, 2014, when I got the chance to um, run a school myself, um, we had a moment there where one of the trainees came in, and I think you'll appreciate the story, is that one of the trainees came in and it was his first day and he quite literally said, I'm, I'm saying, hey man, you know, when you lock up, Put your arm, put your left hand behind the back of their neck, put your right arm over the elbow, you know, collar and elbow tie up. And he said to me, yeah, man, don't worry about it. I know all the tricks. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. That's a I would have said, can you tell me them? Because I'd love to know them. And I, and I stood there and I went, okay. And then when we started doing very basic 
grappling and chain work, you know, doing the basic holds, things like that. I was like, hey man, you know, when you get the wrist lock, you know, do that. And he had it sort of all jumbled and things like that. Like I think he had his hand sort of in an upside down grip or something. Something that was like, yeah, 30% of the way there, but it's just looking messy. So when I fixed his grip, I said, you know, stand like this, you know, position yourself like that. He goes, oh yeah, cool. I sort of subtly said to him, guess you don't know all the tricks then. Walked away. So I get it. There are kind of there are some people that when they join up, they kind of jump the gun. They kind of go, "Oh man, you've seen this on TV. It's so easy. I can do this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The come to Jesus moment with the bump, where they bump and they go, "Oh God," that's the that's the first testing point, and the second point is where you go, "All right." So you kind of take them through their fundamentals, and at the end of the show, or the end of the training session, or the end of the open day, whatever it is, if you see that guy go on the top rope, man. No, if you can't put on a lockup and if you can't do at least a basic hold, WTF are you doing on the top rope? Mm. And when you tell the guys off, man, very rarely do they come back because all I want to do is they want to do the cool shit. They don't want to learn the fundamentals. They want to get in their rent-a-crowd friends. They want to do a Jeff Hardy swanton bomb. They want to do all the signature moves and then they want to win a match and they want to go home. And nine times out of ten, they want to do that first match and go, I'm good. And I want to take that. It's box. funny. I, I had a guy work with me in TCW, and he he couldn't understand the fact that he had to lose. And I just said to him, I said, "Well, he's like, well, why do I have to lose?" Yeah. And I said, because it's it's just how how the business works. I said, there's there's times where it's like you're the main star and there's times where you're not. And he's like, well, if I was the main star all the time, then, you know, why does that not work? And I'm just like, oh, my God. And it's, you just got to keep a, you just got to keep a clear head, you know, keep you cool about it. But, you know, and like, and yeah, some like I said, some people get it, some people don't. Some people see it on TV and, think that it's all bullshit and phony and we actually don't hurt ourselves when we fall down and you know the 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 ladders and tables and chairs are all fake and they're not real and the the blood that's pouring out of your head is tomato sauce i'll and tell the, you a funny story did and the rings of spring did um did did uh did sweet ass ever tell you the story about the kid licked his blood uh yeah he said he said there was a story where uh I, I'm not sure whether it was him or whether it was Hawk. Well, talk- sweet ass got sweet ass. The show I went to was it the junkyard show, the same show where he kicked, sliced his leg? No, no, no. He actually, I think he might have been wrestling Hawk, and he got busted open. And I was in the crowd, like I wasn't even on the show at this point. And he got busted open, and it was pouring out like, you know, like a goddamn like hose. Like it was just pissing out of his head. Yep. And it was all over the ring steps. Wow. And this is this is the problem with people is they think that it's all fake and it's all phony. That they, these kids after the show, because this was the main event, so after the show these kids walked up to the steel steps that had were covered in sweet ass's blood and they, they went, look, see? And they stuck their hand in it and went, look, it's tomato sauce no. and licked it. Oh. And I just remember sitting there going, oh, my God, for that kid's sake, I hope that's tomato sauce. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah. 
That's they, nuts. It was pretty funny. I just, yeah. I still laugh about that story today. That's, I, I have to go back through it, man, but yeah, oh, that's crazy. That's... It was definitely one of the old VHSs. <laughs> that's how old that story man. is. So you, you run TCW for about five years then. Mm-hmm. Um, you get in, you get a new talent throughout those five years of times. Do you bring in other, other tiers and other championships during that time? Do you do, do you tag belts? Do you do women's belts? No, I didn't. I just, I, I didn't have enough talent of my own to bring in another belt. Mm-hmm. And, the you know, look, I over the years, um, TCW actually just released a list of every champion that's ever been the TCW champion in the last... Because um, they've got all the belts now. So they've got, they've got the TCW championship, which mm-hmm. the reason I called it the TCW championship is because I never liked the word world or heavyweight. Like I, I never liked yeah. world heavyweight champion because it's not the world heavyweight championship because it's only defended in Tasmania. I never liked the word heavyweight because then it restricted that you had to be over a certain weight. Mm-hmm. So I was very adamant that when I had the belt made, I was like, it's called the Tasmanian Championship Wrestling Belt mm-hmm. because... It's only defended in Tasmania. Yep. If I wanted to call it, when I was in when I was in XSC, I said to the owners that I want to have a belt called the Australian, the Australian Championship. I can't remember what it, you know, Australian Extreme Championship or something like that. Mm. Because what I wanted was I wanted them to take that belt and defend it all over Australia. I hated the fact that there were belts out there that were called the Australian Wrestling Championship because they weren't defended all over Australia. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's why when I had that title made, I was like, right, I'm going to call it Tasmanian Wrestling Championship. Uh, uh, Tasmanian Championship Wrestling Belt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? God, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Um, And that's why I called it the TCW Championship. Yeah. Because of that reason. Um, since then, they've um, that area of Tassie, uh, they've now decided to bring a secondary belt in and call it the North Esk Championship. What does that mean? It's just the area that that okay. area is. Um, so, so that that's kind of like their intercontinental belt, if you follow WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a women's belt and they don't have a, uh, a tag team belt. Because once again, it's like they... Charlie, Charlie is still the only female over there active on the roster. Mm-hmm. Charlie has a lot of girls come down, uh, come over from other states and work with her. And then Charlie is also coming over to, to um, Melbourne and Victoria and... Uh, sorry, Melbourne and... Sydney and and Gold Coast to wrestle as well. Mm-hmm. So so it'd be silly for them to have it'd be like it'd be like IPW where it's like they had the one girl wrestling there and they gave her the belt. Like yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense. And same with it ta- they don't have a massive tag team division. They've probably only got a couple of tag teams there. So once again it's pointless having two tag teams who are just gonna chop and change the belt. Yeah, that, that makes sense because, yeah, it's got to be worth the 
pretty much the price of admission. If you're going to pay for the titles, it's going to make sure you're going to back it up each and every month. So what was it for you after those five years that went, that made you decide, mm, I'm good? I think once again, it was the fact of I just wanted to come back here to the Gold Coast. Because um, where are we at this stage? Because you said you spent 11 years down in Tassie. Mm-hmm. So, so you flew down in 2007. Yep. So, oh, no, yeah, you t- 2007 you flew down here, then you came back in 2010 and 2011 to do sporadic shows mm-hmm. in the reunion show. Mm-hmm. So what, this is 2018? 17, 18, something like that? Yep. And, um, yeah, it would have been, yeah, it would have been February 2017, I think? Yep. That, that works out. Right? Yep, that works out. Um, so, yeah, so I just got to the point where I, I'd, I'd suffered um, a shoulder injury and had gone through shoulder surgery and rehabbed my shoulder. Um, you know, that took, um, that was, you know, obviously getting older in age and, and having shoulder surgery, um, you know, trying to come back from that, trying to still run live events you know, missing the Gold Coast, really wanted to come home. Mm -hmm. So I got to a point where I was like, you know, my other shoulder was starting to hurt and I was just like, you know, I just, I I just feel like, I feel like if I don't, if I don't stop now, I'm not going to stop and I'm going to be having another surgery and, you know, and I felt like, when I did the fifth show, when I did the, the Annihilation 5, I did it, I went all out. I went back to my original blueprint, blueprint of Annihilation 1 where I went, I'm going to do this at Albert Hall. Now, anyone who's, anyone who doesn't know what, where Albert Hall is in Launceston, if you can pretty much imagine the Hammerstein ballroom, where ECW, like where ECW, that sort of style of venue, that was what Albert Hall was. Wow. And, you know, wrestling in the old black and white era was actually in that building. Wow. Like, so Killer Kowalski, all those sort of guys have wrestled in that building. So, you know, like in 1973, I think it was. Right. So my goal was if I'm going to go out... Annihilation, after five years of live shows, after seven years of actually from start to finish, I want to do it here and I want it to be a big show and I was going to go out with the guy who I started it with, which was Eddie Jones, and we had a TLC match um, for you know, for the number one contendership for TCW. So I was kind of felt like I was doing, I was doing my big WrestleMania show. I was putting everything into it. I was going all out with the promoting side of it. Mm -hmm. And I was going all out with my wrestling match. Like someone's going to get hurt here. Yeah. (laughs) And clearly it was both of us that night. (laughs) But, um, you know, so I was like, well, okay. At the end of the night, I can leave knowing I've put on the best wrestling and I've put on the best show. 
Right. And so five years, I was like, it's time. It's time to, time to go out. So, you know, long story short, you know, it was five, I think it was, you know, it's like 400 people came to that show, maybe more. I can't remember what it was, but somewhere between four and five. And, you know, me and Eddie had a, as he likes to say, a banger of a match. Um, he got, <laughs> he got busted open, almost broke like all my left side of my ribs. Oh. Um, so yeah, definitely one of the, one of the best matches in TCW I'd ever had. So, um, yeah. And then I, I sat down with, um, Eddie Jones and Dylan Daniels and I said, look, I want to go. I don't want to see this company die. Um, I believe you two can do it. And so ball's yours mm. or the alternative is I pack it up and I come to Queensland and start another fed which I did not want to do yeah it's never been on my radar to do yeah so luckily the boys sat down and we worked out a deal and like I said that was Annihilation 5 mm. and next year it's going to be Annihilation 8 so suffice to say they kept it going and they're doing a good job I'm actually yep. really proud of both of them. Well, this is around the time when we uh, we reconnected in the IPW crowds. You came home. I saw you in the crowd for a couple of shows. We managed to chat, and pretty much like we said at the top of the podcast, we managed to fuel the fire that would become our rivalry, which would then become, mm-hmm. to this day, until it all picks up again, to this day, El Cartel, <laughs> <laughs> the second incarnation, because you yeah. ran, ran it once in, in Tassie, and... Yeah, well, me and Eddie Jones um, were actually El Cartel mm-hmm. um, in Tassie. Um, no, no, it's just you and me. It's yeah, right. okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> don't uh, don't tell um, don't tell them that. They get very upset about <laughs> version two. No, no, I'm only playing. I know, I know the history, but yeah. So you and Eddie ran the first cartel, mm-hmm. and Dylan Daniels was also a part of it. Yeah, and um, and Sarita, my little female manager, I had as well. So you're still down there or is she in? No, she left. Um, but, yeah, and since then, like, obviously, um, you know, Eddie and Dylan have become a, a, a unit and separated and, you know, as, as wrestling works, you know, you yep. make, make friends and then you beat the shit out of them. So. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> we just did it the other way. We yeah, just beat the we shit beat out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we quite literally did it the other way. I'll beat the shit out of you and want to be friends. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's been um, quite a whirlwind, man, to uh, hear the career legacy of yourself. So that's the career at for you going through that timeline. But where are you at now as a person? What's happening in your life now outside of the squared circle? Because I know right now we're still on that. We're easing up the restrictions. You know, Queensland is arguably leading the charge worldwide for this coronavirus situation. But... Until wrestling kicks off again, that's where you and I will pick it up and do the Al Cartel one more time. But where are you at as a, as a person? Where are you at outside the squared circle at this point? Um, well, I have been lucky enough to um, keep working during, um, during all this crap that's happened with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, but yeah, like I, I just, the ocean 
is my um, is my mental health for me. Like I love being out in the ocean every morning and you know keeping myself active. Like I'm not someone. I'm I'm actually really happy that I didn't get quarantined or put into isolation because I am just not that person who can sit still and mm. sit on my sit on my backside and watch Netflix and just do nothing. Like I I can't do that. That's not for me. So. Um, yeah, so just being active and being um, being happy. Like I said, I've got two beautiful children and, you know, life's been pretty good, really, like for me overall. Yeah. Man, that's, it's good to know that after all the trials and tribulations you faced, not only as a performer but as a person, that you now have some, uh, for lack of a better term, some clarity. Mm-hmm. You managed to experience both performing side, promoting side, and you had some dark times, but hey, now you got some brilliant times. And I'm not just talking about me. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, it's um, it's 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 quite an honor, man, to know that um, to not only have you here, but to, like I said, the top of this podcast, man, to to know that when I started to, to have the history that you had, I never would have thought when I saw you that time at that sweatshop when we. Um, chatted at the reunion show and being able to work together finally at Venom and do the group that we did. Um, it's, it's so humbling and it's, it's still every day I kind of pinch myself. Even right now sitting across from you, it's truly is such a surreal and awesome moment to not only be able to work with you, man, but to have you as a friend. Because I saw those tapes of this guy in flannel Ding, 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 coming out to this sort of, you know, banjo-esque music and absolutely being an absolute ruthless dude. I was like, man, if I ever get to meet this guy, I really want to shake his hand. But not only have I shook your hand, I've taken a tombstone from you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know I've just got more violent as the years have gone on. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I... You should have worked with me, like... 15 years ago, nope. I would have been a lot nicer. No, I'm fine. I'm I'm happy with the thumbtacks and happy with everything that we did. <laughs> um, but truly, man, it's it's an honor. It's a complete honor and a privilege, and it's very humbling to not only be associated with you, but to call you a friend and to call you a brother, someone that I can trust on, someone that I can just call up if if times are good and definitely if times are bad. I know I can pick you up on the phone and say, "So this happened," and I can imagine some silence and then be like. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, most of, that's how most of my phone calls start with me. Yeah. Yes, I know. What do you want? Why yeah. are you calling me? Even though you've asked me, ring me in 10 minutes. I'll ring you in 10 minutes. Why are you ringing me? <laughs> you told me to, you asshole. Did I? Oh, I don't remember. What do you want? But all right, so we've gone to the timeline, man. Um, before we ride up into the sunset, I'm going to hit you with what I like to call a deep dive. This is where I ask you some specific questions that only you yourself can give your own unique answer and spin to. So you ready for the deep dive? Oh, here we go. All right, man. We've talked about it a bit, not only being a performer, but as a as a promoter mm-hmm. and as a trainer. But hey, we rewind the hands of time, rewind back to the early 2000s. What would you tell yourself now if you were just starting out? Don't fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would have told myself just, look after your your body a bit better than what you did. So pick your bumps or? Yeah, like definitely look after your body eating 
working out more, um, eating right, um, just less is more, that, all that sort of shit. Right. Um, here's one for you. What recently have you changed your mind about? I would say being friends with you. Oh, you asshole. Um, Scratch that question out. <laughs> edit that out of the podcast. I, what have I changed? Um, I just think like during the way the world is, has just made me really appreciate um, everything that we take for granted. Like, you know, like a lot of us have had to go without seeing um, friends and family, just little things like just catching up with someone after work and having a drink or just, you know, you know, there was a time there where they were talking about closing the beaches, mm-hmm. you know, like, which to me, like, that's a main thing for me. So yeah. I think it's just to, um, just to really appreciate what we have and just not take things for granted. Either in life or in the ring, what is the best advice you have ever received? Tuck your chin. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the best advice you've given. But no, what is, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Either, like I said, either in life or in the ring. You... Don't think too much. Is that in life or in the ring? Yeah, oh, both, really. Yeah, like, yeah, don't, yeah. don't take yourself too seriously. I think, <laughs> um, you know, I think a lot of people, whether in or out of the ring, put too much pressure on themselves. Um, yeah. This is meant to be, you only get one life. It's meant to be fun and you're meant to enjoy it. If, you, if you're not having fun and you're not enjoying it, do something else. Go find someone else that will keep you satisfied. Yeah. How do you define success? Respect to your peers. Yeah? Yeah. Re- regardless of whether this is wrestling or not is, you know... I think it's, you know, I think at work it's a matter of someone looks up, you know, someone has respect for you at work, um, you know, and they call upon you to help them. Or I think it's, you know, walking into a locker room and, you know, having guys come up to you and shake your hand or, like you said, like come and meet you or, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, and I think that's really important. What was a turning point in your life and how did it affect you? And if it was negative, how did you overcome it? It was positive. Yep. It was the birth of my daughter. I um, had never cared about something or been so emotional about a life event, a, a life event until I had my daughter. Was the daughter your first child? Mm-hmm. Right. So that was the moment where you're like, okay, I'm going from being a dude to being a dad. I think I think it wasn't, for me, it wasn't just the case of going from being a dickhead to a dad. <laughs> I think it was more... Your words. <laughs> I, think, I think it was more the fact of there were obviously um, some bad influences going on in my, time, in my life mm-hmm. that actually made me look at the birth of my daughter and go, this is worth changing your life over. Yeah. This is the other side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Being that you're a guy that's had about 
well, including a wild thing about three or four characters. Mm-hmm. For the guys out there that are listening that are from a character perspective or a wrestling perspective, we always have what we like to call in the business a switch, the thing that changes you, the thing that gets you from being in the everyday person to being in that character, being in that mindset, going from pretty much zero to hero straight away when that music hits when you got that curtain. For you, is there a ritual that you do before a match or is there something that you have as a switch that sort of psychs you up and gets you into character? And if so, what is it? I still, to this day, get nervous. Man, same. Before, before yeah. a show. Yep. I'm usually, you're usually, my music will hit and I'm still outside doing a pee because I'm still nervous right. about going out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, these days, my character is a lot more violent, so yep. I kind of. <laughs> I'm aware. So, um, <laughs> so I kind of have to really find that that dark groove of you know. Sometimes it's just music, just listening to some heavier music. Sometimes it's just you know, just thinking about what the you know, like thinking about. The crowd have come here to see violence. Yeah, you know, they haven't. They haven't come here when when they come to see me. They know I'm not going to put on a five star wrestling match and going to chain wrestle on the floor. They know that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be violent. Yeah, and that's what I try and give people. Like you know, I try and give them a good wrestling match. Like I said, there are there are so many guys out there who can out wrestle me. Mm-hmm. And and that works for them, and that's great. Yeah. But with me, this is what I'm here to do. This is what people want to see me do. So that's what I do. So it's the music that sort of switches you from the music, and obviously, you know, the thought process of some put the mask on. Yeah, that. like the mask has a lot to do with it. Like uh, one thing I never. Because I'd always been a character which didn't have a mask on. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like when, when that – the funny thing is about my mask too is my mask has mesh over the eyes. So when I pull that mask down, it's very similar to like the Spider-Man sort of mask. Like when it comes yeah. down, it's like it's right over your face. Your vision is different because you now have mesh vision instead of just having like – you know, your eyes exposed. Yeah, I have the same thing with Mini Cruise. Cruise's yeah. mask, and yeah. And so, yeah, that's a big turning point. You, the, the mask is usually the last thing, even though I have like an, what, what, what I call an open jaw mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, that's still the last thing that comes on because that's, that's the, the green light yep. for me. It's like, it's go time. All right, this is the part of the podcast now, which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March 2020. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994-2018. So in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So are you ready? The Lipton Six. Let's do it. What is your favourite word? There's so many. Respect. Let's say respect. Respect? Okay. Say respect. What turns you on? Now, it can be in the way that you're thinking or it can be in the way that sort of energises you, that gets you excited, gets that adrenaline flowing, 
maybe it's heading towards a live event, maybe it's towards heading seeing a band, maybe it's seeing a live performance, and you go, yeah, this is sick, this, you know, saying that word, having that energy, hearing that sentence, that fires me up. But hey, it's your, it's your question, you can answer it whatever way you want. So what turns you on? The ocean. Fair enough. Don't ever go to the beach with this guy. All right. <laughs> maybe a follow-up question. What sound or noise do you love? The ocean. Fair enough. Pretty much, I think this is going to be your favorite question, if I know you the way that I know you. What is your favorite curse word? The ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, Um, my ears. Which is my favorite? There's so many. Um, (laughs) Respect. (laughs) Respect. Um, Because there's probably women who listen to your podcast, I'm going to say F-U-C-K. Okay, fudge. Uh, no, I get you. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? So if you weren't doing wrestling, if you weren't doing the real life job, is there something you'd like to try out? And if you had the chance to do it, what would it be? I... Gigolo. (laughs) I, but like when I had a break from wrestling, I, um, I did some stunt work for a stunt academy. Mm-hmm. And I think if I wasn't wrestling, I think that's definitely where I would have gone back to. Right, stunt work. Okay. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Wrong door. <laughs> I can't believe you're here. Um, I can't believe it's not Jethro. <laughs> Like the old did butter did your GPS not work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you think God would tell you to turn around? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think, uh, I think in all seriousness, mm-hmm. I, I would hope it would be something along the lines of your spots here waiting for you. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Okay. All right. So before we hit this podcast into overdrive, before we slam on that NOS, before we hit that pedal into the finish line and we drive into the sunset, I'm going to hit you with what I like to call the final four. Oh, shit. More? These are the, this is the final four questions before we finish up this podcast. Okay. Yeah, so that's first, past my bedtime, don't you? Yeah, I know. So we're the first of the final four. Was there ever a point in your life where you thought, hey, I'm not sure about this. I don't think it's going to work. This, uh, yeah, this, this might not be for me. Promoting, I think, was definitely that point where I went, this is either going to make me or break me. So was it building to your first show and you yeah, were getting to that point? Yeah, the first you show, you got to remember, like, when I, when I did the first show, I had no funding. Like, it was all my, my, all my money. Mm. So if this failed, I was dead in the water. And I remember when I opened those doors, when, I opened, when we opened the doors to the venue, there were two sets of doors. There was the, the foyer doors and then there were the main doors. Right. And all I saw was the, the foyer doors open and no one came in. And I just remember thinking, I'm bankrupt. Yeah. I'm so screwed. Mm. And then they opened the front doors and then all these people came in. So I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. But that was the point where I actually went, 
this might not be for this you. This may not yeah. have been for me. Like maybe I should have just been a wrestler. Have you ever stopped and thought, or has there ever been a moment where you paused time in your mind and thought, man, how the hell did I get here? When I fell, actually, no, sorry, let me rephrase that. When Eddie Jones pushed me off a 15-foot ladder from the ring mm-hmm. and I flew in the air to the floor through three tables mm-hmm. and landed on my ribs and thought I'd broken them, that was probably the, the point. When yeah. I was in midair looking down at those three tables going, there actually should have been four tables there but there's only three Oh my god, this is gonna hurt. You don't, you don't. I remember seeing that footage. You dove almost past them. Mm. Yeah. One thing you cannot practice is falling off a fifteen-foot ladder. Yes, Jr. said in that old WWE commercial. How do you learn to fall off a twenty-foot ladder? I wish I knew. Trust me. So going back to two thousands, before you got into this business, before you took your first bump, before you became the wild thing, all the way up until Diablo. Now, back at that age, when you thought forward to the age you're at now, did you ever think? That having everything you've gone through, every experience that you've had, the highs and all the lows, did you ever think that this is where you'd be? Sitting in your apartment? No, everything you went through. Did you ever think... <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um, yeah, I, I did. I think at the end of the day, I knew where I wanted to take wrestling. And, you know, like there's a lot of guys who get into wrestling to make it to the WWE. Sure. I was that wasn't me. Yeah. I wanted to experience wrestling in Australia. I wanted to be good at training and I wanted to actually see if I could run my own company with the experience and the knowledge that I had and it be successful. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think everyone puts out there to the universe where they want to be in life. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to sit around in your apartment and bitch and moan and say, oh, well, poor me, then that's where you're going to be in life. Sure. If you're going to sit there and go, you know what? And, and we, we've got friends who've made it to WWE. And, yeah. And we, and, and they, you cannot tell me they got there by sitting there bitching and moaning about poor me, poor me. Like they worked their asses off and they had Absolutely. a vision of where they wanted to be and sure. they're there. So, yeah, that's, that's my take on life. Last of the final four. Currently, as we sit across from each other in my apartment. It's a very nice apartment. Thank I you very much. Add. What is your proudest moment or achievement? My children. Yeah. Definitely my children. My children have, have made me smile. They've made me laugh. They've made me cry. Um... They've given me, you know, I've had a lot of proud moments in wrestling and, and met some wonderful people, but... Oh, thanks, man. Not you. Damn it. Um, but, yeah, no one will ever replace my children. Before we wrap this up, is there anywhere that people can get in contact with you on social media? Do you have a Diablo page? Don't contact me. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> Um, no, I'm on socials, but I don't really want you all stalking me, you weirdos. Um, <laughs> no, I don't have, um, uh, since the world has turned upside down, I've pretty much deleted all my, uh, socials. 
Um, if you really want to get hold of me, you can contact Flash and he might pass on your information. Yeah, it, uh, it depends if you're cartel worthy. Hmm. Speaking of the cartel, man, once again, it is an honor and a privilege to... And there's so much to look forward to. Like we, um, you know, having Bruiser on board, yeah. um, you know, as the third member was exciting. And, you know, obviously there's so much potential in that kid. Mm. I think he's, uh, I think he's got a, you know, he's still got, he's still got a lot to learn, but I think he's um, really going to, you know, step into his own, you know, when, when the world reopens. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and look, I, you know, there's, there's, we've obviously, you know, I'm not going to disclose anything more today, but obviously we've got a fourth member who we've been looking at and who I think is going to be an amazing addition to the brand. And Absolutely. And uh, hopefully everyone will get over the virus and we can start doing what we enjoy and that's hurting people and kicking them in the face. Yeah, I can't wait to get out there and um, wreck carnage and have people try and take away our championships one more time but until that moment happens my brother i'm very happy that you're here today i'm very happy of the legacy that you've carved the trail that you have blazed it is an honor and privilege to sit across from you to know everything that you've done and like i said and many times on this podcast i pinch myself every day to knowing that uh that you're my friend that you're my brother and uh Again, thank you so much for coming on here today and having the chat with me that only you and I can have. You're welcome, and I'm pretty disappointed about the catering in this apartment, but uh, we'll, hey, talk, we'll talk about that off air. All right, man, until we meet again, I'll see you down the road, and I can't wait to kick ass one more time. Later, boy. And that's it. Part three done and dusted. I want to thank Diablo again for coming on board and sharing that extensive journey that that man's been on, man. What a ride, huh? I hope you guys have definitely checked this out, gone back through all three parts. Don't skip ahead. Don't be that guy. <laughs> Please do yourself a favor. Listen to all three parts. If you haven't already, if you have, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for tuning in. Make sure you follow the podcast and all the social medias at LMBC Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and LMBC underscore podcast on Twitter. Make sure you subscribe on Google Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. Those are five outlets there to get this podcast into your earlobes. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and I'll see you next week.